Are you ready for the divine feminine revolution? Let's get vulnerable and go deep. Hello and welcome to the Divine Feminine Revolution podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Megan Monday, and I'm so excited to have this conversation that I feel has been a long time coming. You know, Lee, I feel like you have been such a beautiful mirror to me of just what's possible when you, you know, take your passion for activism and, you know, like your background in medical and just bring it to the maximum good. And so I'm teasing it a little bit. I'm going to let you do a brag intro. But (laughs) Dr. Lee Cordell is with me today, and you're just going to share about your journey from nurse practitioner all the way through creating and being the founder of the Institute for Trauma and Psychological Safety, which we were talking about like our mutual love for trauma recovery and DBT and EMDR and all the things in the in the green room. So I think this is going to be a really super fascinating conversation and a great resource for, for everybody out there. So. One thing I just want to say is like trauma healing is possible. It is possible. And I think so many people do not believe that. I remember teaching like an undergrad psych 101 class and doing a Q&A and someone asked me like, is it possible to heal from trauma? And I think I like paused for a minute and was like, is it? This was like 20 years ago. But now I like will say, yes, it is. And your institute is a big part of that. So I'm going to turn it over to you. You do a little brag intro and we'll go from there. Sure. I was like, oh, I haven't bragged in a hot minute. What do I want to brag about? Well, I brag. Yeah, I'm the CEO and founder of the Institute. It is, you know, it's been like a really fun, weird, windy journey getting here. I can't. Right. <laughs> Looking back, I'm like, huh, if you had told me 20 years ago, hey, you're going to start a trauma institute. I'd been like, what are you talking about? Right. And I would have also said, I don't have any trauma, which right. is hilarious. And I brag that you know, I went through my own personal trauma journey of, you know, childhood abuse by a caregiver, non-parent caregiver, and, you know, assault as a teenager and bullying and a lot, a lot of stuff. And then throwing myself into like critical care in the hospital, working in the ICUs and bone marrow transplant, like just in the sickest of the sick places, developing PTSD there and then really just you know going on this own journey my own journey of all right what's going on right like why do I feel like this all the time I don't I'm pretty sure this isn't how I'm supposed to feel all the time and becoming a certified clinical trauma professional and you know on the way having three babies and meeting an amazing husband twins twins yeah my oldest for that I know that's a brag in itself. My oldest is going to be 13 next week and our twins will be 11 in just a little bit. And yeah. And, you know, meeting my husband, who's my name twin, he's also named Lee and we've been together for 18 years and he's been a huge support through this. So through all of it and now gets to work with me at the Institute, which is just the coolest thing. What a brag. Retired. I the love it. I know. And we actually like, like working together, you know, like we, we like spending time together, which is cool. So I think the biggest brag is, is, you know, it's what you said at the beginning of it can get better. I didn't know that it could get better. And so going through my own journey, becoming a clinical trauma professional, starting the Institute and then starting to see the we've helped thousands, actually probably tens of thousands of people at this point. And it's really cool to have people come to you that were in full trauma response. Like everything they did was a trauma response. And then I just got off a call with a client who was like, I said, hey, I'm going to send this to you. And they said, you know, I, I, I can't believe that you saying that to me 
I trust that it's going to happen because I've never trusted people to do what they say they're going to do until we started working together. And I'm like, so that's my brag. You know, I, I brag that I, I get to do what I love and, and really make a difference in people's lives. And, and, and I, I feel better too. <laughs> well, that's a beautiful synopsis and great brags on that, you. you know, and I know, like you said, it's always a long and twisty journey. And we were kind of chatting about that a little bit in the green room. And I kind of relate because, you know, I like this is diagnostic, but like in my second grade autobiography, it says I want to be a psychologist. Yes, we can read into that, of course. That the backstory there is that my mom had a really traumatic upbringing and the psychologist kind of like saved her life. And so I sort of like got like superhero status. My mom's a nurse. So I think nurses, you know, doctors, therapists, teachers, you know, all the service providers, like it really is a calling. And also, like you said, it's so traumatic. And so I share some of the same, you know, trauma survivorship. And it made me really good at it because I was very empathic and I got it and I really helped people rebuild trust. However, when you, you know, been on people's trauma journeys for the past 20 years, like it really adds up. And particularly when I had my daughter, I just really felt that like sort of compassion fatigue, caretaker burnout. And then kind of feeling like I really wanted to like share, you know, gain so much like beautiful wisdom and knowledge about what works for people and then to be able to just kind of share it with the world and have bigger impact. And you've been doing an amazing job with that. So I think it's just one of those beautiful moments where we get to take out, you know, it's like we do the trial by error, sort of get the wisdom, get the chops, help the people, and then we can distill it down into this beautiful moment where we are able to share it with the world. <laughs> I'm back. Internet has never cut out before. Mercury retrograde. I like, know. What's talking about? <laughs> I know. It's one of those things. No worries. We'll we'll get it out in post editing kind of thing. And actually, honestly, my editor always leaves them in because usually there's a good conversation where we're just like real and raw afterwards. I'm like, why did you cut that out? And she's well, the dialogue after was so good, and your brand is about being imperfect. If I, we we actually are. do the same thing. I'm like, don't don't cut it when my brain squirrels and goes in six different directions. Yeah. Let's but let's normalize that, right? Yeah. It, it's not. And actually, I think this is so connected to the whole trauma process is, is I think a, a big barrier to us thinking we can't get better is that we think that the journey has to look a very specific way. Because, I mean, you just heard me sum up 30 years of a lot of mess in this beautiful, yeah, now everything's sunshine and roses and I love my life. Like, I also slept four hours last night and, you know, like, it, it's it's messy. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, and I wish we saw more of that on social media. Like, I do feel like there is a movement that's happening. You know, I think some of it's like more for marketing pers- purposes more than anything mm-hmm. else. But I do think, you know, that's kind of what drew me into coaching. I don't know how much you heard when we kind of got cut off, but just saying how being a mom and running a business mm-hmm. a trauma professional was like dramatic. <laughs> and so I got like really worn out. And that's where I wanted to bring the teachings to like the world, you know, mm-hmm. through coaching and social media and all that stuff. That's what you're doing as well. And so just to say, tell, tell me a little bit about that journey. Like, how did you go from working with the people like kind of yeah, at the hospitals, like doing yeah. your things all the way to like, I want to distill this knowledge and spread it to the world? Yeah. Well, one of the things I like to tell people, because I, I think they're surprised by it is I'm actually not a, a, a quote unquote, like licensed mental health professional. Mm-hmm. I and and so I 
my journey was through acute, being an acute care nurse practitioner. And then I, I it does count, honestly, like <laughs> I was doing physical trauma stuff. And the, the, the start to my more psychological inner trauma healing journey was when I was getting my doctorate. So I was really burning out on night. I worked night shift for years. You know, the earliest I went in was 4 p.m. And oftentimes I was doing like, well, I would go in at noon if I was doing a 19, 20 hour shift. That's that's what I what I would get to go in early. So, you know, I have three kids at home. I've shared this part of my story other places and I have his consent to share it. But my husband had, you know, some pretty significant mental health struggles as well. And a couple psychiatric hospitalizations at times after having our babies because he was so sleep deprived that he became psychotic because it will do it yeah yeah depressed depressed mostly but like hallucinating because he was so exhausted and no one talked to us about paternal depression they just talked to us about maternal depression so anyway that's way more um, common than you would think so i can comment voicing that you know and i often say that i felt drunk because my daughter did not sleep like i didn't get good for five years. And I just felt inebriated, not that I was, but just, you know, cognitively, I was impaired because of the lack of sleep. Yes. It it was such a huge thing. And so, you know, I'm, I'm working 60 to 80 hours a week. So I said, you know, something's got to give. Yeah. So that's when I said, Hey, I would really like to become a full-time professor and just do, you know, a couple shifts a month in the hospital. And so I started doing two or three 19 hour shifts a month, which is still a lot of work. And then, you know, working 20 to 30 hours a week as a as a professor and part of, you know, I got hired in on a Friday as a clinical professor and I started my doctorate on Monday because they were like, hey, you have to be on this track and our next one starts Monday. Are you in? And I was like, "Okay," you know, so I ended up going. It was such a you know, universe synchronicity moment because I ended up, I don't even know how I got there. I ended up in a brand new like baby nurse orientation training. I I was the, I had 10 years on everyone there mm-hmm. and it was on trauma-informed care. Ooh. And I had never heard that term before. So I, I don't know, I still to this day, I'm like, I don't know what got my butt in that seat. It was a 30 minute lecture. That's a yeah. Right. And I walked out of there and I said, I, I felt three things. I felt, oh my gosh, my, my life makes sense. Right. So I had this sense of resonance. Mm. I felt confused because I was like, why is this the first time I'm hearing this? Cause this would have made such a difference. And then I felt really angry because it was, again, why are we not talking about this? Because that was, it was directed towards patients. Mm-hmm. And I'm sitting here thinking like, I have my office was the cry room, right? On night shift, like people would, the nurses and staff would come to my office because they knew it was like a quiet, silent space and that I was a safer human. And they just come in and cry. And I'm like, why are we not talking about this? Yeah, absolutely. I shared with you that my mom is a nurse and she worked on the NICU for a long time. And she said when she was pregnant with me, she said, I would just get real quiet. And I definitely think that that's part of why I'm in the helping professions. It's just like from the womb doing the thing, you know, but I just like hats off to to nurses. And, and, you know, also part of my background was in grad school when I was kind of in the same position of making all the things work. I was a victim advocate and, you know, working with, you know, rape, you know, survivors of rape and uh, just... 
God, if you want a manual of what not to do, like sitting in on some of those sessions, this was definitely back in the mid, I don't know, like mid, I don't know what year was that? Probably like 2007-8-ish. So it was a while ago before trauma-informed care really popped off. But yes, like it was so needed. And I think people just not recognizing like what is a psychiatric condition versus, you know, and, and responding to that in a way that's effective. And obviously we see that like in, you know, a big part of the police interactions and all that sort of yeah, thing. Yeah, it's, uh, it's an everything of, of <laughs> you know, we have, we're sending people into these very activating triggering things where you're going to be experienced vicarious trauma right like yeah you're not getting hurt or you're not the one that's getting cpr or those things but like you're witnessing it you're part of it and and yeah and a lot of times we're not validating the very real effect that that has on you because you know i used to give i'd give cpr to somebody walk out and five minutes later i'm taking care of somebody else Mm-hmm. And it's not like I can go to that patient and say, hey, give me a minute. I just, right? You, you go and you cry in the closet for three minutes and then you come back out and, and you do the thing, you know? And, and that is, I, I, we normalized that part of it. We normalized the compartmentalization part of it, which I think is necessary. You know, you have to keep taking care of people. And the, the part that, I got so enraged about when I learned about it was like, nobody told me, hey, when you go home, like you need to process that. Even if it's on your own. Stuff it, yeah. Yeah. And and our forms of processing it were like going out for a beer at 8 a.m. <laughs> you know, we're crying. Our yeah. And people around us are like, oh my gosh, what are you talking about? And why are you drinking? And what's going on? But that was how we dealt with it. Or... I'd come home and my husband would, you know, he'd be there and our washer and dryer right when you walk in our garage. And he knew I'd had a bad shift. He knew if there was, it was a traumatic shift. If I came in, stripped off my scrubs, went, love you, like went upstairs. Cause that was a, if you start talking to me, the stuff that's going to come out isn't going to be helpful for any of us. Really? And so I think like, just the normalization around it for healthcare providers. And then also just for everybody in general, like, especially with the pandemic, you know, that was a, it's in your face every single day. And by the way, also isolate yourself at the same time. So isolate yourself and then feel super scared the entire time. What a great time to pivot, huh? Yeah. I know for me that was, I was doing, I started investing in coaching and really developing my programs and stuff at 18 and 19. And I was ready to launch this like webinar thing that I paid a lot for. In March 2020. Of course. <laughs> oh, and I was like, but you know how that thing goes. But yeah, I do. I do think, you know, as far as mental health goes, like COVID has been great for it because it's really legitimized, you know, telemedicine. And I think it's gone. It's helped with the stigma of mental health. I think I, I still don't think people really recognized how traumatized we all are from it because we're still kind of in it. Mm-hmm. But yeah. 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 I feel that a lot of. I am starting to we're starting to have a lot of people come our way now mm-hmm. that it's as we're I don't know if we're ever out of it. But as we. Right. You know, which trauma to pick from? Because there are so many. Right. <laughs> so much happening at once. And. I think that that's also the thing about trauma journeys is is again, we like we like to make things really nice and neat. And we're like, OK, I'm going to work on this thing and I'm going to work on this thing and I'm going to work on this thing. And all related. 
I like to use the analogy of you have this big knotted ball of yarn and we're going to put our fingers in there and loosen it up. And like we might pull one strand and a bunch of it comes undone and we've got to take our time to comb that out and slowly wrap it back up. And But the parts that you think you're going to be talking about or you're going to be like working through aren't always the parts that you expected to because it's all interconnected. And so I, that's been interesting because people will come to me and say, well, I'm really, really anxious. And it started after the pandemic, like kind of calmed down and I don't understand what's going on. And I'm like, your body has been like tensed up for two years. And now we're like, okay, relax. And you're like, how do I, how do I do this? Action for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, so tell me a little bit about the journey. So, I mean, I I pretty much have followed you kind of since where you were talking mm-hmm. about, so like for the past few years around, you kind of started more as like a traditional coach, I would say, yeah, and then like, morphed into the Trauma Institute, the Institute. That's so, what a nappy brag in itself. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about that journey, because you went from working crazy hours, like yeah having a life, like vicarious trauma to all of a sudden now you're like, you know, we kind of met each other through Julia Wells and the pleasure yeah. community and all that sort of stuff. And so now we're like, you know, flashy coaches, like showing our stuff on the internet, talking about pleasure. People think we're crazy, I'm sure. Yeah. So tell me like a little bit about just how that all came to be. <laughs> oh, goodness. You know, I started coaching. I, I actually, part of my trauma was like keeping busy. Mm-hmm. You know, oh, yeah. that's uh, a common strategy. Yeah, keeping busy because if, if I wasn't busy, I was thinking and I didn't mm-hmm. want to be thinking. Okay. So I, you know, I'm in grad school, I'm working. And then I was like, oh, let's just be a network marketer too. Why not? That's fine. And <laughs> so I actually grew a pretty successful network marketing company. I mean, you know, we were in like mid four figures every month, which was pretty great as a, as a way to be home more. Let me stop doing so much overtime at the hospital. And I met a woman, Sarah Cook, who love her. She was coaching network marketers at the time. And she was, Lee, you are not a network marketer. You are a coach. She's like, the thing you love most about this is not selling anything. You love people joining your team and being like, what do you want to feel? What results do you want? How can I help? Right. And I had never, you know, I'd been mentoring and, and teaching. So I never extrapolated that that practice or like that experience over to coaching. I was like, I don't know how to coach. And so I went through her program and it really led me into this space of, wow, first of all, I can work my own hours. I can set my own schedule. I can be flexible. I can, if my kids need me, I'm good. I can be there for them. And it really also showed me that I loved entrepreneurship, like it, it, and that I was good at it. Like I was really good at it. And so I hear a woman claim that she's good at something. Right. Like, like I'm 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 it's all about. <laughs> yeah. I love it. Aren't, it's yeah. revolutionary because so many people like just mistake, like they don't want to be like arrogant or narcissistic. And then they just miss healthy self-esteem. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Not like I'm the best coach in the entire world and none of you can tell me otherwise. No, but like I was really, I was really good at it. My clients were getting results. I was enjoying it. Like I was, I kept filling up my roster and then raising my prices and filling up and raising my prices. And so in January, October of 2019, 
this is back when I was like in my hustle grind phase still. I was doing the 75 hard challenge. I don't know if you've heard of that, but it's I'm pretty sure. Yeah. The working yeah. out a lot, the taking the yeah, working out of water, like no out, like all this stuff. And I was on my first attempt. I attempted it three times. I think I did the 75 day challenge for 170 days and never completed it because I kept missing one tiny thing. But anyway, I got to say this post did get my attention though. Yes. Follow that journey. Right. So it was a good journey to help me see like I can do what I committed to because that was something that was a a wound for me. You know, can I be consistent in something and and can I know when to quit? Can I know when to pivot? So I learned both of those things through that, which was very helpful moving forward. And so you're supposed to walk, you're supposed to work out outside 45 minutes a day for that challenge. Mm-hmm. So I was listening to a ton of podcasts mm-hmm. and I got, I don't know how I ended up there, but I got introduced to one of Julia's podcasts. And so I was listening to her and I, I like fangirled and I messaged her and this was before she kind of got big, big. And I, I messaged her and I said, Hey, I'm doing this challenge and I'm walking and I just listened to four of your podcasts and you're amazing. And I just want to tell you that. And I was like, okay, now I'm really embarrassed. I got to go by. Like, <laughs> And she messaged me back and I was like, oh my gosh, she's messaging me back. And we ended up just having some voice notes back and forth. She did a challenge, I think like a month after. And I was listening to her talk about infusing pleasure into your business. And I had a visceral ra- reaction. I was like, who wants to do that? And then I was like, well, that's weird. Like, why do I not want my business to feel good? Mm-hmm. And so I reached out to her and I was like, I got to hire you. Because if I don't, like, I like I need to, I need to figure out why I had that reaction. Mm-hmm. And she gave me, I would say, one of the biggest gifts I've ever received in my business, which was my mantra that I still use to this day, because, you know, four years later is what's good for me and what's good for my family mm-hmm. is what's good for my business. Mm-hmm. And such a paradigm shift, too. Uh, yeah, because I was putting myself last and my family second and my work first. And so we started one-on-one coaching right after that. And in March, no, February 2020, I was like, okay, I'm going to leave my job by the end of the year. February 2020. I'm going to leave my job by the end of the year. And I'm going to start coaching. And by the way, my husband's staying at home with the kids. So this is my, this is our only income. So I went to my husband and I said, hey, what do I need in order to be able to leave? What, how would you feel safe? And he's, I need you to make X amount three months in a row. You need to bank this and then we can do it. And he said, my only fear is, it's like, what if some, I say he started this. What if some global thing happens, like this economic crisis and the world shifts and people don't want to like, people don't have extra money. And I was like, that's not going to happen. But if it does, we'll figure it out. I swear, three weeks later, I was like, but I have a trauma origin story, right? I was and we were, we joked. He's like, paused it. And I was like, no. And I was like, well, maybe, I don't know, but no, you didn't. I said, but this is, this is how it works. You claim a desire. And a lot of times the universe is, okay, cool. You are you sure? No turning back. Right. <laughs> sure. And so I, I doubled down and May we had a like $54,000 month and right. Sold out an entire mastermind. And then from there for a year and a half, I ran entrepreneurial mindset embodiment business masterminds we called it the pleasure of business and that was the time I was 
I was getting certified as clinical trauma professional right at that same time. And so I started bringing in trauma practices okay. and the level, the depth and the, the breadth of the transformation we started seeing in those containers. I was like, oh, this is, this is different. So then more than what you set out to do yet. Yeah. So then, you know, I'm doing this. Things are working great. It's awesome. June 2021, we went on a family vacation and I had a massive trauma trigger. 16 hours from home with my kids and went into a four-day PTSD flashback mm-hmm. of remembering childhood abuse, which mm-hmm. I, had, I had repressed until that point. Mm-hmm. And so it was almost like I gave myself enough space and enough security for my brain and my body to go, okay, you can, you can look at this now. Mm-hmm. And I call it like my dark month of the soul because it was, it was bad. And, and I, I am grateful now that I went through that because when I have people show up on my doorstep with that, I'm like, I know how that feels. And mm-hmm. it's, you can't explain it to somebody who hasn't felt it. Mm-hmm. And so I was, I was talking with Julia in our group. I was like, I, just, I like, I don't know what to do. You know, I'm struggling to even run my business. I can't launch anything right now. I can't do anything. And I kept hearing take space, take space, take space in my head and in my gut. And I'm like, I don't know, but like, how do I take space right now? I'm this, you know, this is the only way our income's coming in. And finally we were driving my husband and I were driving home from somewhere and I'm just like riffing. I'm an external processor. I'm talking. And I said, I just, I don't want to keep doing this where I'm the brand. Like, I don't want to be the brand. I, too much pressure. And I don't like, I want to help other people learn how to do this and then help them be in the, I want it to be a movement, not a me thing. And I'm like, almost like I started an institute. And I heard that come out of my mouth. Like, like the ring of that. Right. <laughs> And I heard it, I heard myself say it and he heard it and he kind of like side-eyed me because he was driving and I was like, could I start an institute? I kid you not, we were like five minutes from home when I said this. He pulled in the driveway. I ran in the house, went upstairs, came back down like an hour, hour and a half later. I had the bank account. I emailed the, the banker and I was like, I need these three bank accounts. I had done the EIN. I had done the LLC paperwork. I had trademarked the name. And I had created a Facebook page, like kept it private. That's a lot. That's a mess right there. Right? Like it was a moment of just, and, and it all came together. Yeah. Like I came down and told him and he was like, of course, of course you did, because this is how you roll. Right. And then it was like, okay, we're going to release 80% of our income. We're going to stop running the masterminds in November. And this was September. And he had I, that feel, I just held my breath there. <laughs> it was like, tell me how I was like, we've got a little, we've got some stuff piled or, you know, socked away if we need it. And I know this is the right thing. And so we spent about three weeks with team, like getting it ready. And we came up with a, a training and a, and then like an advanced training. And when we launched it, we had 22 people, 22 people be like, yep, I'm in in the week so we we did like a you know some people ended up falling it it, things happened and i would say at the end it was like it was it was a two hundred thousand dollar launch amazing 
And so from that point forward, and and it was just, it was such divine Is it a certification time. or like what? Yes. What was, mm-hmm. Yeah. So we had a nine month certificate program and then it was an additional nine months to learn how to teach this to other people. Like you learn it and then you learn how to teach it to other people. And so it was like a layer on top. And we had 20 people sign up, 18 months. And the really cool part is, is that they started in January 2022. And this month, our teacher trainers actually started doing their like practice. So they're in our spaces now, like practicing with people and they're amazing. And they're, they're graduating in September. And then they're all coming to our, well, they're coming to a thing we haven't announced yet, but they're actually going to get to teach at one of our live events as like their graduation, which is just really exciting. So it's, it's cool to be a year and a half beyond that point now and just see like what a, that's what, one piece like beauty that you're putting out into the world to empower those people and then just like the ripple effect and all of that it's just it's so exciting yeah and I brag too that they're all like okay but when we graduate we have two questions and I'm like oh gosh what and they're like, one can we create an advanced training and okay you no know, I was like let me get on that they're like we want to do like deep dive weekends like you do and things like that and I was like okay I can they said, and two, can we come work for you? Mm-hmm. And I was like, yes, please. And that feels cool. Well, I think it's so beautiful. I know like for me being in academia, like all of my 20s, like as soon as I was like done, I was like, get me the hell out of here. I don't right. want to be controlling my life. And so I ran into like entrepreneurship and private practice and all that sort of thing. And I just remember learning you can't change the system from within. Punished if you do. And, you know, you put, it's really hard to heal inside of a, a system that's continuing to harm you. And so, you know, one of one of the things that we actually help people with, one of the things I speak, because I, I get to, I have the honor of going and speaking in a lot of places now, hospitals. And I say, you know, we have all these wellness programs, wellness programs, and what we're not focusing on is the system piece and we're not actually empowering these individuals with practices that actually help them you know we're we're giving them twenty dollar off their gym memberships a month but they're not making it to the gym we're, we're we get to look at how do you practice self-care and true self-care not you know i'm gonna go get a manicure which counts and how do we practice rest- like deep restoration in a way that really serves us and nourishes us so that we have more and we don't get burned out. And so that's been a really fun thing for us now that we've stepped outside is to go back in and be like, okay, we don't want you to have to leave. I say that all the time. I'm like, I don't want you to have to leave nursing. I don't want you to have to leave Mm -hmm. academia. I want you to be able to stay here while we are working on switching around the system so it's more supportive and you not be burned out. Yeah. Well, I think that that's such a beautiful adjunct. And I really relate, like we were talking in the green room that I have been, I started out a few years ago after I was into private practice for a while. One of my friends started the middle path, which is a holistic intensive outpatient. And so I came on as a psychologist and I didn't know how hard working at a startup was, but I learned so much. And now it's like a million, probably more, it's a seven figure business, let's say that, like amongst many states and has helped and saved lives and all this beautiful stuff. Well, anyway, like, when I came back on, I have been watching 
I promise this makes sense, even though it's rambly. I've been watching all this like YouTube van life stuff, like the COVID years, you know, and then they have a van and she was doing this podcast tour. And I was like, I never, I wasn't like intentionally trying to manifest this, but I manifested access to one of those like van life vans, you know? And then they have one of my other friends who works there was doing this like wellness program and stuff. And she's like, why is no, I'm paying for this wellness program. People can take the van. Like, why is no one taking us up on this? And we're like, we're too busy. Yes, (laughs) right? Doing all the things, you know? And so even when there are benefits, I think it's just, you know, when you're in a sort of very demanding, like potentially, well, not even potentially traumatic gig you know it's you know you kind of collapse on the weekends and and I hate that because that's not quality of life but it's just I think so many people are living that yes and and there there really is a difference I was actually having this conversation with a couple of humans who are in one of our containers yesterday and and they were talking about how they want to shift what they're doing so that they can feel more invigorated and I said you know I we are launching like a really transformative cool thing we just launched it on monday or tuesday and i've been working like 12 14 hour days i worked last weekend i'm working a couple weekends coming up i don't normally do that right it's been a really long time since i've worked more than 30 ish hours a week and i am i physically tired at the end of the day you bet am i like passing out yes and mentally like i could keep going I'm like, oh my, I'm excited. My husband has to be like, babe. And it's not from a place of, I have to get all this done. It's from a place of, but I, but I could be doing, and he's, yeah, you could. And also stop, right? And that is such a cool feeling to have because before it was, I'm exhausted and I want to stop and I can't stop because if I stop, I'm going to get yelled at or I'm not going to make hit my metrics or whatever. This person's mm-hmm. not going to be taken care of. And now it's metrics. It's, yeah. 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 <laughs> right. Now it's, no, I, yeah, it's like, I'm so stoked to be doing this work and there's more to do. And that's really cool that I feel that way at the end of the day, as opposed to drain. Yeah. So how did you sort of like regulate your nervous system as, I mean, you're saying, you know, with this kind of burst that you've been yeah. working more, however, you've also let go of, you know, these businesses and these yeah. income streams and working the crazy, you know, nurse mom life. Yeah. I feel like that, if I can pinpoint like what maybe a point of resistance is, I think it's that like I, I was working part time and I got to kind of be an entrepreneur and a mom and that was like really great. However, working a one woman show, it was like, if I didn't work, I didn't get paid. And so there was still this like scarcity and hustle sort of vibe around it. And then definitely working at a startup, like (laughs) we all know, I mean, invaluable. I think that actually taught me that I wanted to, you know, my business coach like emphasis, but you know, it's just so intense to kind of be living that. But I think for me, like letting go of the struggle, even though I like so want all the pleasure, but like letting go of just like the struggle and the trauma and being needed and like, doing these things. I feel like that's letting go of the identity that you worked so hard to go to school for and paid money for and whatever. I remember telling my husband, I'm like, I know I'm good at this, but I don't think it's good for me. I don't want to be a therapist anymore. And he was like, babe, you got 30 years. That's your loans. Like, yeah, all right. Well, you you know, you can't, you know, and so (laughs) I I, tell us, tell us the secret there. I think for me, was you, you and I were like 
chit-chatting beforehand around distress tolerance was like there's a difference between something if you've spent the majority of your life feeling dysregulated and like living outside of your window of tolerance meaning that you're like in fight or flight or you're in freeze and shut down mode either direction or tenant friend right that was mine right yeah (laughs) yes people placing the shit out of everything that's a fawn in there too right yeah if you're in those dates the majority of your time when you start to come back into that more regulated window of tolerance that feels really weird to your body and it feels scary it feels threatening and so that's the question i always ask myself now when i start to feel that like tension come in is is this thing activating me is it taking me more into my window of tolerance and i'm just not used to that so the only answer here is just to like we have a a tool we use called the 10 second protocol i'm gonna just do my squeeze breathe relax and i'm gonna remind myself i'm not dying and that i'm safe and i'm gonna do that or is this something that's actually taking me outside of my window of tolerance more it's Mm -hmm. triggering me and it's something that i needed to figure out how to put some boundaries around so that has been i would say the most helpful thing that i've learned how to do is to ask myself like is this taking you toward relaxation and pleasure and groundedness and you know you know my ventral vagal relaxed state or is this taking me toward dysregulation? And from there, then I can say, okay, well, I, I know what to do if it's taking me away versus it's taking me toward. And it makes it actually pretty simple to, to mm-hmm. move from that space. Well, that's kind of how we teach it with like distress tolerance in the IOP is just, can you survive a crisis without making it worse? And that's like kind of become a tagline in our family. And it's one thing to be like, Okay, can you not, you know, can you can you survive this without making it worse? But then when you get that reflected back to you and you're freaking out, like, it's definitely a tall order. And as we were talking about, I just want to plug it real quick for anyone who's listening. If you're like, oh, my God, maybe I have trauma. Like, I really, truly believe that everybody has trauma. Oh, yeah. I just feel life is traumatic. And so, like, I don't think anybody doesn't have it. It's all relative. But just from the therapy standpoint, obviously, go look at the Institute's resources. We'll hear about that more in a minute. But just if you're going to go like the therapy route, highly, highly recommend EMDR and DBT are both like game changers. And hello, they are pretty much the only really like mainstream major psychology stuff designed by women. So snap Francine Shapiro and Marsha Linehan for being OGs in the 80s. (laughs) I love that you're bringing that in. EMDR was what got me through that like dark month of the soul and like bilateral stimulation, you know, tapping EFT, like. It works. The things that brought me back into my body, somatic experiencing, all of that stuff brought me back into my body. And that that was helpful. And I think you get to just try, you get to try out different practitioners and you get to try out different modalities until you find what works for you because that. Yeah. And, you know, we've got the podcast channel on YouTube and like YouTube, you want to learn, go on there. There's a million videos Like you want to buy neural beats, go on there. Like it's such a beautiful, like you really can't learn anything on YouTube. So, uh, you know, I think I, and I think that's part of your mission is like bringing the knowledge to the people and it's definitely mine as well. So tell us where to find you and all the things. 
Sure. So we have a website, instituteprotrauma.com, that has all of our stuff on it. We're launching a merch line, which we, we're chatting about. That's really exciting. There's going to be some fun things on there. And all of that goes into our scholarship fund for people who can't afford any of our programs or, you know, just from a accessibility perspective, because that you're right. That's super important to us. But um, mm-hmm. we have our free resource, resources on there, our podcast. We've got a 10 second protocol video that in five minutes walks you through this really great technique to, you know when people tell you to calm down and you're like that makes it worse it yeah actually down. <laughs> right so there's that and then what we're actually doing may 22nd through may 26th is we're doing a five-day event called adapt and we're walking you through a five-step process of trauma and recovery it's it's intro so if you're listening to this and you're like I don't even know if i have trauma or you know i know other people in my life do but i'm not sure it's I feel like the the trauma world, a lot of the resources and things that are out there are kind of at a higher level. And we really want to create a way for people to to just kind of like toe dip in and to go, okay, I, I want to understand this foundationally and then decide where I go from there. So and that's what was so frustrating for me about academia is it's all locked up in the ivory tower. And it's like, right. you know, and this stuff I think is really like on purpose to keep people like, you know, misinformed or, you know, underpowered or whatever you want to say. Yeah. I just want to say one last thing about I saw the post with your merch line about you were wearing the shirt. I deserve to feel safe in my house. And it was just like, oh. Oh my God, we should not have to say that. And yet how many people no. do not, whether it's kids or moms and dads or whoever, and it goes both ways. So, you know, I just, wow, that just, mm. yeah. and then people are going to get the trauma recovery by buying the t-shirt. I want to do this like therapy for everyone sort of like movement and, you know, like destigmatize and it's just so needed, you know, to like just come out with, you know, therapy is literally beneficial to everyone. And just like everyone has trauma, everyone can benefit from therapy or it doesn't even have to be therapy, but it's educational information. Mm-hmm. You know, that can really just like help shed light on what people are experiencing. So. Yeah. And and it's awesome because, you know, I, I get to see so many fellow creators. Our institute really grew from some reels and TikToks on TikTok and on Facebook. And and there's a lot of other creators that are starting to put out content like that. And you here doing this. I, I think that that those of us who left academia to do this. You know, I know it's all subversive and rebellious. And also, this is what we need. We need yeah. open access, right? It won't for long. <laughs> yeah, I miss my journal access. I know. <laughs> it's so funny because my therapy clients, you know, they'll quote the text. Like when they have something go down, they're like yeah. reading you the play-by-play of it. Well, they're also like, oh, I was watching this TikTok video and it helped yeah. me realize I have attachment issues. So I just think it's, you know, obviously when we're consolidating like complex things into a sound bite, you know, it's that's what I struggle with the most yeah. writing stuff because I'm like, well, I'm dialectical. It's so this, but it's also this, you know. But just to say, I think just I'm so excited for the younger generations that this stuff is like on their phones, like mm-hmm. popping up. And they're really, uh, I feel, you know, mental health savvy in a way that like the older generations are just yeah. not. My son wearing my son's 10 and he uses the 10 second protocol before he he pitches and he uses it before each game and during like in between batters. And I, I, I was like, did I teach you that? He said, no, mom, I saw it on TikTok. I know. Like, my, my daughter's always, not everyone wants to square breathe, mom. But okay. <laughs> I know. I love that you wouldn't listen to me say it in our own home. When you, yeah. I'm in TikTok. Yeah. yeah. Where I, you know, where I'm cool. Which that inherently made me uncool saying that. But uh, yeah. yeah, anyway. 
hilarious. Awesome. Well, I would love to have you back on because I know there's we could probably talk for hours about all of these things. But thank you so much for sharing your story. And it's been so inspiring to just watch your journey and the evolution of it. And I know that uh, I'm kind of in the midst. I don't know that it's an institute, but like I definitely feel like there's such a, just like a huge big soul mission that's happening for me. And, you know, it's just really beautiful when you have like someone that you don't even know that's like mirroring you in a powerful way. So it's so great to like actually talk to you and get to hear your story and interact and everything. And I'm really excited about your retreats and you've got so many amazing things going on. So everyone go check out Lee Cordell and we'll see you all next time. Thanks for listening to the Divine Feminine Revolution podcast. Make sure to subscribe and leave a five-star review. Want to keep the conversation flowing? Find us on Facebook at the Divine Feminine Revolution Facebook group, where revolutionary women gather to listen to their hearts, monetize their gifts, and change the world.